On the Black Information Network, our stories matter. That's why BIN proudly supports the Hashtag Matter podcast, an eight-episode drama from Shondaland Audio that shines light on issues relevant to Black communities across America. To learn more about America's only 24-7 all-news network for Black communities, listen now at BINnews.com. That's BINnews.com on your local Black Information Network station or on the iHeartRadio app. This podcast is a dramatization of fictionalized events that contains culturally insensitive language and violence. Detective Patterson, I am your negotiator. You think you can do better than the last guy? You're listening to a recording of the fourth throw line call between Gerald and the police. This is the first call where Detective Curtis Patterson is lead negotiator after taking over for Detective Homer. Look, man, I thought if we had a chance to talk sooner, maybe we wouldn't still be in this mess, you know? Others agreed, so... What you think about what those cops did to my boy? Look, man, no disrespect. But I've been too busy thinking about how to move this situation into a better place. Gerald, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Is it cool that I call you, Gerald? You can call me G. All right. G. You can call me Detective Patterson or you can call me Curtis if you like. Yeah. Did you watch the link, Detective? Yeah, man, I did. You got kids? Yeah, I have four. What would you have done if you was in my shoes, Detective? You there? Yeah, I'm here. What would you do if you saw some grown men killing one of your children, knowing that you got the ability to do something about it? I mean, I'd, I I would do what I have to do in that moment. But man, that's not what we are anymore. And it just seems like you're making things harder on yourself and a bunch of other folks as well, you know? It don't get any harder than losing a child. You agree with that? Yes, I do. Well, then I pray, Detective, that you never have to carry that load. You a praying man, G? From time to time, yeah. How about you? I mean, it's been a while, but I like to believe that there's someone on the other side to answer if I really need to make a call, you know? Yeah. Hey, can I ask you something? 
Ain't stopped you yet. What about Jason Martin? I mean, are they willing to take this thing all the way to the end? Or are they just a couple of guys that got caught up in the bad situation? <laughs> of course they caught up. You caught up too. We all caught up because we black in America, man. I know nobody want to hear me complain how we treated out here because I already know how people look at us. They think that the Irish came over, they started from the bottom, made it work. The Jews came over here, they started from the bottom, they made it work. The Armenians, they fled genocide, came to America, and look at them now, and thriving. So they think, what's wrong with black people? What's wrong with my people? Can't figure this shit out. Niles was a little boy. I told him, I said, you're gonna think different. You're gonna work hard. You're gonna work smart. You're gonna have a plan. And things are gonna pan out for you. And guess what, I mean, Niles upheld his end of that bargain, every bit of it. He was a good kid, man. Good kid on his way to an Ivy League school. And after that, I, the sky's the limit. But you know what, man? This motherfucking America, this motherfucker is a monster. This country, it consumes black people, man. And they expect us to just sit back and just take this shit. saying forget the trial and I should just kill him now. Look, man, I think you know that's not what I'm saying. Come on. Come on. And I really don't think that's what you want either. You got all the answers, right? Nah, brother, I don't. I don't. Nah, don't try to back the fuck out of it now, detective. Let's hear it. Okay. Okay, I... I think you want to do right by your son. But the only way that happens is if you surrender, man. Yeah, and let the fucking murdering pig walk, right? Fuck that. And that's exactly what would happen if I don't follow through. See, at least this way, real justice has a chance. Shit, I mean, every time one of us get killed, you know what they say. We need to have a conversation about race. What the fuck is we supposed to talk about? Alright. Everyone knows what it is. It's the same shit America been doing since day one. Since before day one. There's always a law or a fucking loophole that allows us to get treated any old motherfucking way out here. Because motherfuckers keep moving the goddamn goalpost on us. So now it's got to be different. You hear me? I'm moving the goal this time. Gee, come on, man. Come on. There's no one on this call who is naive. Stop it. We know the system is not perfect. We've both been in it for a long time, different sides maybe, but listen to me. I see what you see. I do. 
And man, I have to live with that. I have to live with it too. But check it. I also see that you made your point, brother. Trust me, America hears you loud and clear and are talking back. Man, that's got to be worth something. This ain't about talk no more. Hey, what was that? I don't know. He just failed. Gee. Gee. Hey, Tara, is he gone? The line is still open, Detective. Gee, come on, man. Talk to me. Gee, talk to me. Listen to this exchange from the kitchen surveillance feed. Oh, God. God, is he dead? I don't know. Jason, if he's dead, we are fucked. Sit him up. Sit him up. Keep him awake. How am I supposed to do that? Your policeman, he need a doctor. And some blood, too. You probably need to get one in here while we wait. Gerald requested the doctor for Sergeant Place at 8.52 p.m., a little over an hour and a half after the online trial had begun. And in that time span, his post had garnered 1,908,123 upvotes for innocent and 2,232,535 downvotes for guilty. And while millions of people were having their say online and on the news and in the streets about what transpired with Niles and the police, Michelle Hayes, Niles' mother, was by all accounts still playing catch up. Listen to my conversation with news reporter Colleen Sanders about this. So Colleen, after you pulled Michelle from the crowd of protesters and you, you cut the live interview short, did you guys continue to talk off camera? Did you ever answer her questions about Niles or, or get a sense of what she knew and when? I never really got the chance. Within seconds of me calling cut, hordes of reporters moved in and they were all over her. So I just grabbed her by the hand and told her to follow me. Where did you take her? I took her to the police, to that inner perimeter where all the shot callers were. And I explained who Michelle was, and they let her through, but then I was given a stern reminder that I wasn't welcome in the police's restricted area and told that I needed to leave. And on my way back to where my team was still posted up, I hid behind an outhouse and bawled my eyes out for 15 minutes. And then I redid my makeup and I went back to work. After Colleen changed her son's diaper, we continued where we left off. So I know I touched on this before, but if I'm being totally honest with myself, had I not been three months pregnant at the time, I probably never would have cut the interview with Michelle Short. So what did being pregnant do? I think it made me aware that I had... that I had a a moral obligation to look after Michelle in in the little way that I could. And the ironic thing about it is, I'm not sure what's more cruel, pulling her emotions out on live TV for the sake of ratings or, or putting her in the care of the same police force that had just... I don't even want to say it. The reality is the police could tell her more about what had happened than I could. And as far as what she knew and when she knew it up to that point, that's something you're going to have to ask Michelle. Wait, so which part did you say you were confused on? Well, Colleen Sanders mentioned that when she pulled you out of the crowd, you seemed like you kind of knew what was going on, but that you also seemed like you were looking to verify if what you had heard was in fact true. 
So I guess I'm just trying to understand what changed from the time you got out of your car when you didn't know much at all to you linking up with Colleen. While I was walking, I started noticing small groups of people with signs, you know, and, and some of them were chanting the types of things you would hear at a protest. But it was still, you know, it wasn't like a mob the way it would be when I eventually got near Jace's 42. And did you know that the sporadic protesters you were running into were connected denials? I don't know exactly how to answer that. I think part of me was in denial for a bit. Almost like as long as I don't hear anyone say that they were there for Niles, I could keep my hopes up that everything was still okay. But deep down, I think I already knew. And when were you no longer able to deny it? I heard a group of kids chanting across the street, say his name, Niles Hayes. So I basically started following them. And within minutes, we had all fallen into that main wave of protesters that I talked about as it was heading towards Jason's 42. But it just felt like everyone else was moving along a lot faster than I could get my body to move. And it was loud and confusing. Finally, I just remember yanking this man that I, I didn't know from Adam, pulling him by his shirt, like, really hard. And I said, I'm Niles' mother, can you help me? That's when he started calling out to people, telling them who I was, and, and then of course, Colleen found me. So when Colleen pulled you through the crowd, you really hadn't talked to anybody about Niles yet? No. Did you know about Gerald's trial? Not yet. I, I didn't know about that until Colleen took me over to the police. And what was that like? I don't think they knew what to do with me. So they put me under this pop-up tent that looked like a makeshift break room. I can still smell the scent of stale coffee from that night. Anyway, I was told someone from the department would come talk to me. While I waited, I was able to charge my phone, and that's when I learned about Gerald's post and everything else. Our stories matter. That's why the Black Information Network proudly supports the Hashtag Matter podcast, a new full cast eight episode drama series from Shondaland Audio and iHeart Podcast that delves into social justice topics. Told through a fictional lens, Hashtag Matter sheds a light on issues relevant to black communities across America, much like the work we do on the Black Information Network. BIN is America's only 24 7 all news network where every story is told from black. Black Perspectives by Black journalists who understand the importance of telling stories with us in mind. Listen to the Black Information Network online now at BINnews.com. That's BINnews.com on the iHeartRadio app or simply tell your smart speaker to play the Black Information Network station. Who is it? Dr. Izzati. Gerald came at Dr. Izzati the same way he came at everyone else who walked into the bar that night. How's that? By putting a gun in his face. Listen to this exchange. You a doctor for real, aren't you? Where were you at earlier? Never mind. Get on the floor. Get on the floor. So then Gerald makes Dr. Azadi lie face down on the ground while he's wearing his white lab coat. Now, now, Kate, I say that to say this. That floor was filthy. Like, they was doing construction in there and everything, and so... I mean, me personally, I thought it was unnecessary, but that's him. He was he was power tripping. 
Uh, who? Gerald. Oh, so you felt like Gerald was getting off on the control? A thousand percent. Interesting. Yeah. So anyways, Gerald starts shuffling through the doctor's bag, like, looking for weapons or whatever, and, and then he says to him, You ain't got no blood in here? Those IV bags are lactated ringers. Lactated what? It's what we use when we don't know the blood type. Will it work? I don't know. Can I see the patient first? What I admired about Dr. Azad is that he was able to do two things very quickly. Mm -hmm. One, he never let Gerald get him rattled. And two, it was like he was looking at the situation in the bar from, I don't know, like a 30,000 foot view. How so? Like when Gerald pokes Dr. Azadi in his side with his gun and directs him to go into the kitchen, as soon as he walked through the swing of doors, like Sergeant Place is like right there in front of them, like kind of sort of propped up on the wall. And then of course, there's Niles' body. It's lying on the table about 10, 12 feet away from them in the kitchen. Dr. Rosati walks straight past Sergeant Place and goes directly over to Niles and checks his pulse. I'm so glad you brought that up. I always just assumed that Gerald instructed Dr. Rosati to do that. No, no, the doctor did that on his own. And what was the significance of that? I think it was a gesture. Seemed like it disarmed Gerald a bit. I mean, not physically, but emotionally, maybe. Like, in a sense, I guess when Dr. Zadi did that, it's like he claimed the moral high ground. So are you saying that he checked on Niles as a way of saying... Uh, I, as a way of saying that I see what happened here. And I see your son. Yeah. And I think that, um... I think that had an impact on Gerald. Made him relax a bit. Come on. Let's just get this over with. I need some things out of my bag. Here. Hello, my name is Dr. Izadi. Can you tell me your name? Yeah. Yeah? What is it? Sergeant Place. Okay, I'm gonna take care of you, Sergeant Place. You're doing all right? A bit better. How long have you been bleeding like this? I don't, I don't know. About what time did you get shot? Uh, around around 3.30. Okay, we're gonna elevate this leg and get a tourniquet on it. Big guy, I need you to lean into Sergeant Place's chest and don't let him move. And you, come over here, I want you to sit on his good yeah. leg. Yeah, uh, oh. like this way. Yeah, that's okay. Sergeant Place, take a deep breath for me, okay? While Dr. Azadi worked on Sergeant Place in the kitchen, Gerald can be seen pacing compulsively back and forth in the main bar area. But unbeknownst to him or anyone else inside the building, the next few minutes would determine Gerald's fate. Listen to this communication between Captain Flores and his lead sniper. Captain Flores, this is Bird's Nest 1. Do you copy? Copy that, Bird's Nest 1. Go to 9. Bird's Nest 1, in on 9, over. Flores in on 9. What do you see? HG-1 is camped out in the window. I can save the city a whole lot of overtime if you just give me a green light. Clean shot? Negative, so what? But I recommend it's a kill shot. Captain, I got this. Stand by, Bird's Nest 1. 
Checking with command. Copy that. Standing by. While Captain Flores ran a sniper's request for a kill shot up the chain of command, inside the restaurant, Jace, Martin, and Gerald share a rare moment where, just like everyone else, they follow the story on TV. I want to thank my panel again for coming in on such short notice. Mike, my first question is for you, since you covered some of Jay Shaw's past run-ins with the law. Does this fit his M.O.? You know, Jace was the type of athlete who for a while there couldn't go into a nightclub and not get into a fight let alone inside a brawl with 20 people. See, this is why I don't even listen to this shit, you know what I mean? Some years later, he's involved in a shootout between police and is now holding one of those officers hostage. Who is this motherfucker? But in fairness, this is definitely the most extreme behavior we've seen from him today. Nothing about this is in fairness. Ryan, can I just say this? Okay, listen to the facts. What Mike just said is completely indicative of why black men in America can't get a fair shake of justice in this country. I haven't seen any evidence that Jace was involved in a shootout. Now, based on that video that we all just watched together, the only shots you fired were by it. a cop with poor marksmanship, I might add. And you know what? Your guest is already over here calling Jace a murderer and a kidnapper. What? When we've seen absolutely what? nothing. What? I never called him a murderer or a kidnapper. Right, I'm just okay. calling out the fact that he's, I didn't. He's a magnet for trouble. What is he talking about? Gerald A's character that he's associated with is a prime example of that. And let me just be clear about one other thing, because I think people at home need to hear this. Anyone who votes for Sergeant Place to be executed is at the very least an accessory to murder. Are you kidding? It's the truth. Furthermore, vigilante justice, you might support it, but it has no place in our society because it's illegal inaccurate and reckless at best. And anyone who condones killing a cop like this is un-American, is committing a crime, it's a crime? and they should be prosecuted. Mike. And that includes your other guests. Uh, whoa, wait. I'm wait, sorry, wait, it includes who? It's who? Who? I said it and I said it. We are both of you. We are not making personal attacks on each other. I really can't tell. Go ahead and respond. Of course I'm against vigilante justice. No, you're not. Let her speak. Let her speak. Let her speak. Continue. Continue. Are you on my honest opinion? Uh, yeah. You've been the most honest with me so far, so keep going. <laughs> Jace got off on the attention. And why do you think that? He was having his name mentioned on national TV again. Seeing his name scroll at the, the bottom of the screen, you know, he loved that. And that's the drug he'd been missing. The fame. Like seeing him light up the way that he did. That's his weakness, okay? And I knew right then and there I can take advantage. How's that? Well, the first couple of times I tried to draw a wedge between Jace and Gerald, I came at Jace straight on and essentially just challenged his manhood. But, you know, I should have known that wouldn't work. You see, Jace is a type A personality like most elite athletes. If I was going to get through to him, I needed to come at him sideways first with flattery. So he goes into the dining room by himself, channel surfing, probably checking to see what other networks were, were, were talking about him. But that's when I did my thing. And I crept away and I grabbed two glasses and a bottle of whiskey. Cheers. Cheers. <sighs> First time I ever saw you play? What was I like a like a sophomore college when you recruited me? No, no. That was the first time we met. 
the first time I saw you play was your junior year in high school. It was the Southern Sectional Championship. What? Hey, we got killed that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, y'all so did. But you had 35 tackles and 8 sacks. God damn. Yeah, I said to myself, I said, this kid right here, he, he, he's going. He's going all the way. He was the best I've ever seen. I mean, God gave you everything, man. Size, athleticism, speed, quickness. Yo, I had Hoff back then, too. Yeah, you did. I think you blocked a field goal that game. Yep, yep. And that wasn't no bullshit-ass long snapper kicker, either. <laughs> they both ended up going D1. Mm-hmm. They sure did. I remember. You know, in my scouting report, I had the longest list of positives for you than I had for any other player that I've ever scouted. But it, it was just, just one negative. All right, but, I mean, don't sue me, okay? It wasn't really a negative. It was more of a question. Okay, what was that? Can he escape the hood? <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down. And 25 years later, Jace, here we are. Okay, listen, Jace, you got to listen to me. You and I are supposed to be in this mess. Like, this isn't our fight. Like, you have so much going for you. Like, the people love you, man. I mean, you got the total package. Good looks, charisma. And, and, and this restaurant thing that you're trying to do, I really believe it's going to happen. Like, I'm, I'm seeing a chain of them shits. But, Chase, in order for that to happen, man, we have got to get out of here first. Do you, do you hear me? And, I, and I'm willing to bet you, I'm willing to bet you that if you were to pick up that phone right now, and, and if you were saying, hey, listen, this is Jay Shaw, and I want out of the situation, that at least we'd be on record as not being part of a kidnapping. I mean, I don't know, but the way I see it, there's no way I ain't part of it. Like you said, I'm the one who dragged the cop in here. Yes, I know, but like, this is a moment of panic, and you were concerned for his safety. Yeah, but nah, man, I can't do that to Chief Not again. He deserves better than that. Come on, Jace. I mean, you gotta help me understand something that for the life of me, I just cannot figure out. In all my years of representing players that came from nothing and ended up going to the league, they always had someone they owned. And, and, and 10 times out of 10, that was just some bullshit mindfuck that people who didn't have shit put on somebody who they knew was gonna make it. And the one that didn't break free, man, they ended up right back where they started or worse. So, Chase, what I'm saying is you don't know anybody, anything, and nobody owes you. Martin, I don't expect you to understand this shit. Because you just ain't from where we from. Uh, hey, hey, wait, hold on a second. Back up, back up. What did you mean about when you said again? You said you can't do that to G again. What happened the first time? What I'm about to tell you, I ain't told nobody, so this stays between us, you understand me? Of course. What? Not a fucking word, hear me? Not a word. Man, when me and Gerald was kids, 16 and 17, right around Niles' age, man, I was out there. If you thought I was a beast on the field, man, you should have seen me in them streets, though, fighting. Dealing with drugs, I ain't had no pause button at all. So that little thing that you wrote about me in your little scouting report, can I escape the hood, brother? The real question was, could the hood escape me? Anyway, 
I pressured, you know, Gerald to do this smash and grab Robbie with me. And, and, and wait a minute. When I say pressure, it's not like G was a choir boy or nothing like that. He just thought that this shit was a bit risky, but I convinced him. So, anyway, look, we do the damn thing. And came up on about $10,000 worth of merchandise. A few days go by, cops jammed me up and said they need to talk. But I refuse to say anything to them until I have my lawyer. Only thing is, I ain't got no lawyer, right? But, did have a football coach who really wanted me to go to his alma mater for college. See, they promised him a job as defensive head coach if he could bring the golden ticket. So, I was his ticket. So, anyway, my coach sends this high-powered attorney down to the police station. The guy works his magic. We make a deal, right? My charges get cleared. All I got to do is snitch on the guy who planned the robbery, but you can't, like, really snitch on yourself. Gerald, yeah, you snitched on Gerald. Deal was, you know, get my name clear, go to a four-year university, go professional, make millions of dollars. Hey, Gerald, uh, he gets three years, juvie, one state as an adult. So. say not again I mean not again Jason I hear you I do but the past is the past and the fact of the matter is it's probably better for Gerald that we take him down as opposed to the police what I need to know from you right now is if there's an opportunity for this to end are you with me? All done. As Dr. Azadi joins Gerald in the main bar area from the kitchen we see Jason Martin also enter from the dining room. Is he gonna live? I don't know. How much time do I, I have? Answer me, man. How much time? Look, he's sick. He has to get to the hospital. That's what it's about. It's not time. How but much time? Four hours? To give or take? That's more than enough time. Okay, you can go now. Joe crosses from where he was standing by the window over to the bar. Meanwhile, Dr. Azadi continues to press his point. Hold on. Oh, look, 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 look. If you see any signs of him getting dizzy... Or, or pale, or anything like that. You need to call me back in here, okay? As Dr. Azadi urges Gerald, Jason, Martin to keep a watchful eye over Sergeant Place's condition, he sort of backs into the same spot in the window that Gerald had been camping out in just prior. Now here's why that's important. The police sniper still has his scope trained on that same spot. Only now the silhouette he's tracking doesn't belong to Gerald. It's Dr. Azadi. When Captain Flores told me that it was a kill shot on Gerald, but not a clean shot, I decided to go to the sniper's position personally. Commander Ammons recounts. And with a pair of binoculars, I was able to see with my own two eyes what my sniper was seeing. And what was your assessment? This is our opportunity to take HT-1 out and end this thing. Listen to this radio chatter between Commander Ammons and the lead sniper as they communicate with Captain Flores back in the command trailer. Captain Flores, this is Commander Ammons at Bird Nest 1. Do you copy? Copy that, Commander. We have confirmed eyes on target. Copy that. Target to move to that side. Standing by. When we hear, target
target has moved out of sight. That's when Gerald steps away from the window and crosses to the bar. Now listen to this exchange when a silhouette reappears just seconds later, but neither the commander nor the sniper realize that it's no longer Gerald, but Dr. Azadi. Target back. Copy that. Captain, you go for lock? I'm go. Versus one locked on target. Ready to fire your order, Commander. Commander, do I have permission to fire? Next time on Hashtag Matter. Hashtag Matter. Starring... Eamon Joseph as Gerald Hayes, Jennifer Christopher as Kate Bell, Steve Harris as Jace Shaw, Haley Joel Osment as Sergeant Place, Pooch Hall as Martin Sims, and Snoop Dogg as Big H. Additional performances by Niall Bullock as Niles Hayes, Tarina Pouncey as Michelle Hayes, Monte Russell as Detective Patterson, and Alex Vaughn as Daryl Hanover. Hashtag Matter was written and directed by Dylan C. Brown. Our executive producers are Sandy Bailey, Lauren Holman, Dylan Brown, Winnie Kemp, and Eamon Joseph. Audio design by Wolf at the Door. Sound design and mix by Josh Falcon. Music by Jonathan Sanford. Edited by Darren Bowling. And our sound director is Alexander Kemp. Produced by Toby Lawless and Lucy Jones. Casting by Lawless Casting. Hashtag Matter is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio and in association with Wolf at the Door. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.